Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. I would love to invite people. In fact, I am inviting people to reconsider the conversation about immortality, not as being motivated by a fear of dying, but motivated by a love of living. Many of you will recognize that voice because it is none other than Allison Gray, best friend of the podcast. And Allison is here to kick off season three of Post Woke with me. And the topic that we have chosen to talk about will give you an idea of how big the red pills are going to be in 2024. So stick around for my conversation with Allison right after this word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. And as many of you already know, for nearly seven years, I've been running a one-man program to help homeless women on the streets of New York. And you could check the show notes for a link that explains it in more detail. Um, I am also looking to expand this program, and I'm starting to do that in small steps now. And I want to help more people in bigger ways in addition to the homeless women. And basically, to put it simply, I want to try and facilitate miracles on the streets. And I'm there is another link in the show notes that you can check out to learn a little bit more about that. So I'm going to just leave you guys to... Click on those links, learn more, and follow your heart because I need your financial support and I need you to share the links in order to keep this going and growing. So I thank you in advance and let's get back to the show. And I am here once again with best friend of the podcast, Allison Grace. Let me just begin by welcoming Allison to Post Woke. Hi, bestie. Bestie. <laughs> Maybe we'll explain that, that that deep voice, bestie, at the end of the uh, yeah, <laughs> and I can include a link. Um, so I've already explained explained to the uh, listeners a little bit more about some um, what's going on with post woke, and my my initial goal, as I said, is is to ramp up the the level of red pill that we're going towards, mm -hmm. and I can think of nobody better and perhaps no topic more um, appropriate than talking about, literally talking about the idea of immortality. So I am going to ask you to sort of gently um, <laughs> in, invite in the listener who might be hearing the word immortality and getting a wide range of understandable like pop culture and, and societal images in their mind and perhaps you could just say to them, let me explain. This is what I mean and what I'd like to talk about. Mm, it's so funny that you said give them a gentle introduction because <laughs> with something as radical as immortality, I'm whenever I talk about this with people, I'm running up against the, the most deeply embedded belief that all humans have, which is that we all have to die. 
And so naturally, with such a deeply embedded belief, there are going to be a lot of cognitive defenses that get triggered when you suggest that not only are people wrong about death, because no one wants to be wrong about anything, it's embarrassing, but that death is unnecessary. And so there's an implication there right away that if you're dying, you're choosing to. And it's so it's nearly impossible to have a civil conversation about immortality without a lot of defenses coming up, um, personal insults, attacks, you know. Uh, so I'm, I'm setting the stage by saying all of that uh, just to acknowledge that I recognize how difficult this conversation is. I myself have had to. Um, confront and dissolve many of my own triggers around the topic of death. And um, so I want to take the angle of just seeing the, the conversation about immortality as a contemplation of life, what it means to be living, what it means to be full of energy, bioelectricity, prana, chi, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so instead of looking at it as like an anti-death sentiment, um, <laughs> let's look at it as a pro-life sentiment. <laughs> oh, my God, I hate that the term pro-life is like has something to do with like the debate about whether it's wrong to kill babies like so right away see that's just one example of like one of the weird ways we relate to death right like in some ways we can't even define it like when is yeah. something alive like we are that far gone from what life itself is so anyway my point being um i would love to approach this as just like an open contemplation of life and and the the possibility that humans can live and are in fact designed to and oriented to live much much longer than 120 years old okay thank you for that and i think i'm going to zero in at some point on the on the the much much longer part but i i do you inspired me to mention something that connects to our detachment from death that maybe this could be a good entry point for people is that in within almost all realms of society, we don't talk about death and we don't talk about grief. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I think in a very general sense, I'm saying this, human beings um, aren't very good at grieving. And a lot of it has to do with what's been passed down and how we see other people grieve. And we don't really know what to say like, oh, they're in a better place or you, you, it's time for you to move on or just be strong or they wouldn't want you to be sad. And we, we not that I'm not saying that those lines are never applicable, mm. but when everyone uses the same lines, you realize that we're kind of cribbing from the same notes. And I, I like that what you're doing is you're, you're going to expand on that to say, hey, we need to be talking about these topics uh, in all related ways. and um, I, I'm just really curious to see how, you know, like people, people that listen to post-woke seem to be very open to the concept of red pills. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take that to a whole nother level. So um, what do you think would be a, a, a good, like, or let me rephrase that. What was the, what was the entry point for you? Mm. And perhaps people can relate to that as to like, was it, 
Was it a video you watched, a conversation you had, a book you read, combination of any of that? What made you stop for a second and just say, oh, I need to dive much deeper on this? Oh, that's a great question. It was like multiple angles were being taken at once and um, ev- all these different thought streams I was having at the, like different times in my life all sort of converged into this one singular path, I guess you could call it, of immortalism. So I have just always been the kind of person who's very fascinated with the paranormal. And I am very open about the fact that I have experienced paranormal and psychic abilities all my life. Like everything from I've had telepathic conversations with people and plants and animals. Um, I've uh, I even used telekinesis once once. And like <laughs> it's it's so funny, like to me, that was the most groundbreaking spiritual experience I've ever had. And so because I've directly and viscerally experienced the supernatural in so many ways all throughout my life, to me, um, it just seems like a logical conclusion that if humans are capable of breaking the so-called laws of physics in these tiny ways, like with a uh, Uh, what do you call it, a precognitive dream, right? Like so many people will have a dream about something and then the next day like that thing happens and it's like, ooh, spooky. Um, So if, if humans can do that in these little ways, then to me it just seems logical and obvious that there must not be laws of physics at all. Like like our whole understanding of how this realm works um must not be what we take for granted that it is. And so um, to me, it's not a far cry from people having moments of telepathy or moments of intuition um, to go from that to, oh, yeah, and humans can also fly and humans can also live forever. So so it's just that I've had a lifetime to contemplate these things and viscerally experience like a graduation of um, power within myself. And it now just seems so obvious and clear to me that um, nothing I've ever been told about how things have to be is true. And that leads me into, I think, one of the most triggering aspects of the immortalist conversation, which is um, the way that this conversation exposes submission, right? Like the human tendency to submit to authority. Because something you and I have talked about many times on this podcast is um, the life script, right? Like most people don't question why they're being handed this script of like, okay, you are born, you go to public school, you get your degree at college, you go get a good job, you get married to someone, have 2.5 kids and a house with a white picket fence, and then you work, work, work until you die. And that's the life script. But notice how the life script does include death. Like most people who do start to question things will question like, okay, maybe I don't need to work for the man and maybe I don't need to buy a house. Maybe I don't need to get married. Maybe, you know, they'll question all the other parts of that life script, but not the death part of the life script. And like, so me, I just all I all I see myself as doing as a free thinker is um, taking that questioning just one step further, like, okay, and who says I have to die at all? Like, um, you know, once you realize that most of our life is spent just obeying orders mindlessly and sleepwalking through life, um, once you start to realize how much agency you do have, um, you naturally start to forfeit 
the life script and say, I'm going to live life on my terms. And then the more you free your own energy and become more and more alive, the more naturally you will gravitate towards valuing your health and wanting to be as healthy as possible. Um, You know, that's another scam of this culture, this idea that everyone just ages and gets sicker and sicker until they die. And of course, there's so many businesses and corporations that benefit from us believing that. So once you start to question that, um, you know, again, it's not so much more radical in my mind to go from questioning the medical industrial complex that says that sickness is inevitable to questioning whether death is inevitable. Oh, that's an excellent answer. I, I appreciate that because it 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 speaks to people who um specific to this podcast are asking questions. Mm-hmm. And you someone that calls themselves a free thinker or a conspiracy theorist by some by some definition is saying to themselves, I'm not going to accept a script from anyone. I don't believe that this happened. I don't believe that this has to happen, um, whether it's UFOs or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And and um, I see myself in that sense where I was talking to you recently about this, how my first ever book was a was a uh, retelling or revisiting of, the, of World War II but by debunking the good war and the greatest generation myths. And when I would do interviews and talks, people would ask me why this topic. And one of the reasons was, was I felt it was such a deeply embedded myth that if people would question that, they can question anything. Well, mm-hmm. the anything, I don't think, I know at the time I wrote that, I didn't realize how far the anything part would go. <laughs> and this, this is fascinating because, as you said, people will say, hey, I don't have to get married or I can have a life partner, but I don't need a state to make it official or I don't need to procreate or I don't, whatever it might be. But very, very, very few people will then say, I don't, never mind that, I, I don't need to age, except in when it's looked at through the lens of, say, fitness, which is a field that I've been in my whole life. And I think that's what attracted me to learn more about this topic from you is because so much of my life I've, I've, did, did my best to take care of myself and studied um, exercise and nutritional advice that would be theoretically designed to be what they call anti-aging. So that would be one cha- one part of it. And another entry point for me would be as somebody went to 12 years of Catholic school, I was always confused by the ages of the people in the Bible, particularly the Old Testament, mm-hmm. thinking perhaps it was metaphorical and what it might be. Mm-hmm. So when I allow myself and let the guard down and say, hey, you know, be open-minded here, entertain these possibilities, um, I hear what you're saying and the people that you've, you've told me about with much more receptive ears. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I could go on and on about how the Bible is so rich with these esoteric treasures and and golden threads that if you follow them, it kind of unravels reality as you know it. I know it's very popular nowadays to hate on the Bible and be cynical about Christianity, but you and I have been learning from diving deep on like Christian mysticism that um it it's it, there's so much truth in Bible verses that people take for granted. I love to point out to people that um there are certain Bible verses that explicitly state that humans have psychic abilities. For example, very, very popular 
quote um, that we can move mountains with the faith of a mustard seed. Most Christians, you ask them what that means, and they'll say, oh, moving mountains is a metaphor for like life's difficulties, right? And then I ask them, well, if it was a metaphor, why didn't God just say in the Bible that you can overcome any difficulty if you just have the faith of a mustard seed? No, it explicitly in literal plain language says we can move mountains. There's no question in my mind that that means literally the moving of a physical mountain. And that is what set Jesus apart as a figure in history is that he was constantly bending and breaking the laws of physics like it was nothing, walking on water, making food appear out of nowhere. And so there's an article on my substack called Jesus the Immortalist, where I make the case that Jesus was actually teaching people how to be immortal. And it's right there in plain language, the evidence that he was talking about living forever in the physical body, not in the afterlife, not after you die. Heaven is literally here and now. He said it when he said heaven is within you. And so I don't know where Christians get this idea that, um, again, I, I don't mean to be condescending. Uh, it just... It's so popular for people to kind of repeat what they heard in church, which is that, oh, heaven is somewhere you go if you're good after you die in the flesh. But Jesus himself did not say that. And I I challenge any Christian to tell me where he did, because his living example of immortality was that he conquered death by, you know, being crucified, but then resurrecting himself three days later. And when I say immortality is possible for all humans, I mean, we literally have the potential within our own souls to do exactly that. And um, Jesus himself said, you will do greater works than I have done. What's a greater work than resurrecting oneself? <laughs> like, like, no, he really saw the potential in people. And he, that's I truly believe that's what Jesus was trying to tell us. And he said it in the plainest possible language. But if there's something I've learned on my spiritual journey, it's that someone can tell you the truth point blank to your face and you won't hear what they're saying until you're ready. And like someone could just hand you the manual to life and say, this is all you have to do. Just do this and then you're good. And it will look like gibberish on the paper until you're actually ready to receive the wisdom. And that's what is meant by having ears to hear. Yeah. I'm, and this goes all the way back to the allegory of the cave. I mean, we, we, you, humans have been contemplating the fact that we um, almost, I, 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 I'm going to say voluntarily, but I don't mean that as a dig because we, we're all, I hope, working towards expanding our vision. But we we allow ourselves to have our vision limited. And then the the really scary part is when we get so attached to that vision that will literally kill others who challenge it. And so I, I, I can imagine that when you talk about this or you write about it, and we will link to your Substack, of course, in the show notes, that, that um, people, th- this is a tough one. Like it's one thing if you... Um, like you think of any of the isms that exist on, on planet earth. And if you discover one of them, um, let's say vegetarianism, Mm -hmm. you will get a hostile reaction from dedicated meat eaters. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but none of them are necessarily saying, in fact, I don't think very, very, very few of them are necessarily taking it to this level. So 
which I think is a good segue for me to say, um, where, like, where are the people who are doing this? Are you, who, who are you interacting with? Where, where, where has this journey taken you? You have this intrinsic, well, let me rephrase that. We all have this intrinsic curiosity. You're somebody who acts on it regularly. And as a, to use the Bible again, as Paul said, I die daily. Like you're, you're willing to wake up and start wipe the slate clean and, and challenge all your beliefs and move forward. So someone like you who enters into this modalist discussion and and with the curiosity, where where has it led you and to whom uh, did it lead you and who are you interacting with and who's out there doing this type of work or living this type of life? Ah, oh, that's an excellent question because I think the number one uh, highlight argument against any paranormal or supernatural phenomenon is, well, if people could fly, how come no one's won the James Randi challenge yet? It's a million dollars. Like, why? <laughs> and like my immediate comeback to that is like, what good would a million dollars be to someone who can't die? <laughs> Like, if you don't need food to survive, if you do, if you literally don't need anything other than the energy within yourself, what good is money going to do for you? You can't tempt someone who's genuinely found the spiritual truth. I mean, Jesus, I, I love Jesus. Obviously, I'm going to keep talking about Jesus in this podcast, but um, Jesus himself was tempted to bow down uh, to Satan in exchange for the entire material world. And he said no, because he knows that he has eternal life. Like, what is better than life itself? That's the ultimate. I mean, and some people will say, no, I don't want eternal life. I'm at peace with death. But then a lot of those people also believe in an afterlife and they are really hoping that they'll go to some afterlife instead of just ceasing to exist after they die. So that to me right there says that we that's proof to me that many of us instinctually um are life oriented. We we want to extend life. We want to live forever. Life is the most natural thing to our existence where we are meant to be alive. And so um, to come back to your question, um, I would love to remind your the people listening right now that seek and ye shall find and ask and ye shall receive our cosmic laws. They cannot be broken. They are consistent and reliable laws in the universe. So if you ever want to know anything, just ask. And I mean, ask with your heart, like ask God or the universe or whatever it is you perceive to be the source of things and say, um, how does such and such work or what is the truth about such and such? And the way that this wonderful, beautiful universe is constructed, the answer will come and find you. Um, if you really want to know, just ask the question. The question, the power of the question mark is that it it opens space so that you can receive what it is that you are asking for. So in my case, um, I just started asking, how would an immortalist eat? Or how would an immortal eat? How would an immortal sleep? How would an immortal think? How would an immortal speak? Like, like what does it take to be immortal? Right? What is it if someone had truly freed themselves from being subject to death, right, and being submissive to death, how would they be different as a person than a non-immortal who is subject to death? And as I started asking those questions in my heart, the the answers to my questions started appearing, like, 
like I would, you know, I didn't really change anything I was doing in my life. I just kind of continued about my my um, typical habits, like scrolling on Instagram for too many hours a day. <laughs> and and so the the answers found me then through Instagram, like, believe it or not, because um, I, I don't think there's any limit on how information can find you. Um, and so I just suddenly started finding accounts by other mystical people like their their posts would pop up in my explore page and there's one particular person I've learned so much from whose name is Christo or Chris Manley and he has been fasting for I think nine years um he has reached uh, essentially um a pranic state where he no longer experiences hunger or thirst and he shares his journey very openly in great detail and i learned so much from him that really resonated with what i had already kind of been assuming about immortality that um true immortality is a state of being in which you are no longer dependent on consuming external sources of energy so it's when you awaken the energy that's within you already you know the heaven within the, the your natural prana um that it makes it so that you no longer even crave food or water because you already have what you need to sustain your life inside you and so um i had already kind of come to those conclusions in my own contemplations but then to actually encounter someone who's living that truth and also found that same truth on his own journey was very uh synchronistic and and validating so i have been um talking you know learning from him and learning from other people kind of in his circle and also you know more than just him like i've been reading books by immortalists i've been actively pursuing the information and you know taking what resonates and discarding the rest because ultimately if there's one main thing i've learned it's that um perhaps the biggest challenge to embracing immortality is recognizing that you really are the uh the uh, what's the word i want to use here you are sovereign in your life and you don't answer to anybody so you there's so much unlearning that has to be done of all the programming to just automatically obey authority because a lot of people they'll be like oh but fasting isn't healthy because doctors said so it's like okay now trace back the thought process that led to you just taking whatever doctors say to be truth above what you know in your own direct experience and what you know in your heart, right? And so um, there's so much unlearning of just automatic obedience that needs to be done to even be able to entertain immortality in the first place. So where I'm at in my journey is I've recently, I'd say maybe two or three months ago, made fasting a regular part of my life where I'm now fasting once a week about and um, also have invited more juicing into my life, um, you know, kind of uh, deconditioning the idea that I need regular meals or that I need solid food. Like there, there's so much I'm unlearning. I actually really don't even know where to start on how rapidly I'm unlearning the nutritional myth by engaging in fasting on a regular basis. And I'm fasting right now, actually, and I feel great. So, um, yeah, I think I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I, 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 I'm glad that you didn't go into too many specifics because I could see us doing 
with some planning in advance, an episode in which you do go into specifics. Mm -hmm. And maybe even I invite people on my written substack to ask questions so that we could address them. But for the purposes of this introduction to this topic, I feel like I don't want people to get caught up in what works for you right now. And then they could, like you said, they could either try and deconstruct that and prove you quote unquote wrong, or they try and imitate you, which is, which is not necessarily the, the direction you want to go in, but you're, you're leading by example in your own way. And I couldn't help but notice when you describe someone that takes steps in this direction, um, you could see why this is, um, if not the ultimate red pill, it's it's right up there with in terms mm. of, of the one of like the most obscured and discouraged red pills. Because mm -hmm. since we live in such a hierarchical society and have for so long, the parasites at the top have a very very vested interest in us not asking too much question, too many questions, but even more so, us being in touch with our inherent powers. And if we if we are if we recognize that we can do greater works than Jesus did and we and we don't need to eat the way they tell us or or, or sleep the way they tell us and we have we have this in, inherent power we are quite a threat and that would include you know I would include in there the hierarchies in religions because um with Christianity always dangling heaven as the prize um you you know there's a long history of people getting to positions of power in religions and then becoming that power corrupting them. So you, mm. or, or maybe they don't even have, they're not even in touch anymore as to why they can't even allow for a conversation about um, even just living longer on earth. Like, mm -hmm. like, cause I think, I think perhaps let me quickly segue to that. I think a, a thing I want to ask you, which I think I gave myself my own segue here is that for people listening who perhaps aren't totally sure what you mean, um, does this conversation cover both the concept of humans living far longer than the accepted life expectancy of, let's say, in your 70s, and or does it, does it mean humans um, n not dying of, quote unquote, disease or natural causes? Like, obviously, someone could slip and fall or get hit by a car. We're not talking mm -hmm. about that. But does this general conversation cover both us breaking the barrier of accepted life expectancy and breaking the barrier of what's known as there's actually a book out there called breaking the death habit. Like mm -hmm. it does it cover both areas. Oh yeah. 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 Um, miraculous and spontaneous healing goes hand in hand with awakening the immortal current within oneself. And that's another way in which you stop being submissive to outside authorities. And, and once you realize you can heal yourself with just your consciousness, <laughs> with just meditation, um, you are no longer subject to someone else deciding whether you heal or not. Um, it's you. It's you who makes that choice. And again, this is so triggering because it there are so many people living with chronic illness and that sort of thing that don't, you know, are sick of hearing that, oh, you're choosing to be sick. And when I say that, I'm not saying that to condemn or judge anyone like to to heal is a huge endeavor um, because so much of what it means to be ill or or um, sick in any way is so deeply rooted in our life experience, in trauma, in emotional pain, in loss, in grief, that I I recognize that it takes time to 
you know, to heal or even to learn that one can heal. And so I don't say any of this with a shred of judgment. I'm saying this as someone who myself has healed from many, 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 many things. And the more I heal, the more I see that healing is actually so much more than just a physical process. And it's not a linear process either, just like time isn't linear. Um, Again, everything we know about the laws of this physical world are just so wrong. Um, I I am recognizing now in my own journey that um, uh, healing is largely a spiritual pursuit. It is about creating harmony on the spiritual level and the emotional and mental level. And then that is outwardly reflected in your physical form. And um, and that's actually another thing I want to address real quick before I come back to your question is this uh, very, very common argument against immortality that, oh, like, people love to talk down to me on this. They're like, oh, honey, you don't understand. The soul is forever. The physical body dies. It's like, do you think I haven't thought about that? Like, do you like do you? Uh, I'm saying the physical body doesn't have to die either. And that's like, like that's my point. Um, and people, a lot of people are willing to settle for an immortality that is sort of just subject to death. That that's like, okay, well, we all have to physically die. Um, because the authority, the Grim Reaper said so, I guess. I don't know who, it, just some vague supernatural authority has convinced all these people that they have to die. Oh, but at least we get to live in spirit in the afterlife. It's like, why? But I think that betrays a fundamental misunderstanding of what the physical body is. The physical body is not made of some different material than the soul. It is the soul densified. Your form is your soul. Um, the, the body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, quite literally. And so your body will reflect um, what's going on inside you. So once you understand that concept on a very basic level, a lot of healing opens up to you because you'll realize the healing happens within and then is reflected without. So, um, ooh, that led me to another train of thought. Um you know, I, I recognize that I am young. I'm 30. And so to be talking about immortality is like, OK, let's wait and see if she ages like let's. But um, Mickey, you know this about me. I, I've told you and and um, people who know me in real life and have known me since like middle school can attest to this. At age 17, when I had my first real awakening um, where I felt connected to God and more alive than ever, my face changed. Like my face morphed. I have not looked the same since. And I also stopped aging. Um, and from that moment forward, people started asking if I was a teenager, even once I was in my 20s. And then I went back to, oh, I, I should mention that I stopped eating all animal products. And this originally was a spiritual choice I had made. It wasn't, you know, it turned into something ideological later on. But my initial inspiration to stop eating meat was actually through some like spiritual epiphanies I had. And, and I just kind of lost my urge to eat anything that bleeds. And then it became ideological. I kind of lost touch with like God, you know, and I, I went back to living almost like a purely material life and, and not pursuing spiritual growth. And then I, I started then I started eating meat again at some point. And that, interestingly, is when people started guessing closer to my age, like when they would try to figure out how old I was, they'd be like, oh, you're like maybe mid-20s. I'd be like, no, late 20s, but close, right? So I, I still looked a little bit younger. 
But then now I I stopped eating meat again, again, for spiritual reasons, not political or ethical or whatever reasons um, at the beginning of this year. And this whole year, again, it's been happening when I meet a new person. They ask how old I am and they don't believe that I'm 30. They think I'm a teenager again. So the point I'm making with all of this is I have viscerally experienced in my life that the times when I am dwelling in life, right, like when I'm really focused on life and cultivating life and trying to remove and eradicate death from my day-to-day habits um, from a spiritual angle, those are the times when I physically appear the youngest and I feel the youngest. And um, I'm sure you can attest to this, too, because you look very, very young for your age and people never believe how old you are. And you were vegan for a long time. I don't know your your spiritual motives for it. But um, the point I'm making is if you are going to take a teacher on anything, it is totally fair and justifiable to judge that teacher by how they look. and like. I I don't I know that sounds shallow and superficial, but like, again, the form is the thing. If you're taking health advice from someone who looks dead. Maybe don't, because there's a lot of there's a lot of people, especially like on Instagram and stuff on social media, they'll like perform this lifestyle of being so healthy. They're like, oh, you have to eat liver all the time and like you, you know, do this and do that. But then just just literally use your eyes, just literally see things how they are look at people. If they are not glowing with life force, maybe don't take health advice from them. Maybe they don't know what they're saying about how to live ideally. And so, um, wow, I don't even remember how I got to this point, but um, it, that was a point worth making. So I'm kind of glad I went on that tangent, but I don't know where we started and if I answered your original question. Um, yeah, I, I think I was talking about the difference between immortality and living longer. Oh, yeah. One more thing I wanted to say on that. Um, uh, the pursuit of life, you know, doesn't have to be forever. You don't have to live forever to, like, prove anything to anybody. In fact, the the really long-lived people in the Bible notice, interestingly, that when they pass on, they are described as giving up the ghost which suggests that they chose to transfer their soul to some other dimension. But they it wasn't that they were subject to death in that death, you know, the Grim Reaper came knocking one day and was like, all right, it's your time because I said so. No, like they were like, mm, you know what? I've lived a good life. I want to see what else is out there in the universe. I'm going to pass on from this physical form. And then they give up their ghost. That's what that means. And it's like there's so there's such a rich mystery of like what it means to be sovereign and autonomous just in that concept alone of giving up the ghost rather than dying. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're going to begin wrapping up here and I'm going to try and be a, a I don't want to go over the top with this, but I'm trying to be a little preemptive in mm-hmm. terms of people listening before you before you say your goodbyes here. And I just want to say that as someone, I'm speaking for myself now, as someone who has done an absolute ton of writing and public speaking that is quote-unquote research-based, and, and I can rattle off dates and numbers and facts, I, I understand the temptation to, to try, if you hear a conversation like this, that the urge would be to try and prove any single thing that was said during these Mm -hmm. past 30 something minutes 
try and prove that one single thing wrong and then see if you can unravel the entire thread from there. Yeah. And, and I'm not telling anyone to not do their own research and not think for themselves, but I'm just saying, I'm going to also suggest that while you wrestle with the urge to, to um, dismiss this entire conversation by finding one um, fact that you feel is not, is incorrect. I want you to also ponder how awesome it would be to assimilate and integrate some of the tenets that have been discussed here and do some more research on your own. Like if you were to find out that you could change um, not just what you eat, but how you eat and feel better and look better and be more present in the world and be more vibrant and be a more positive force, even when there's so much going on, like what's, what's not awesome about that? And, and does it like, as Allison just said, it doesn't have to be that you say, all right, it's, it's either I live forever or the entire thing is a farce. <laughs> right. It's the point is, is that there are so it, I just urge people look around right now, look around at the inequality, the, 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 the mass um, division between fellow human beings, the, the destruction of the ecosystem, whatever it might be. And, and just own up to the reality that collectively we have humans um, have not made the best choices and, and have not listened to the best voices in terms of guiding us and that we could do so much better. So as easy as it would be to just call this conversation, um, just laugh at it, it I, I ask people to, to use your common sense, follow your heart, follow your instincts, your gut, whatever it might be. I'm not telling anyone to accept anything at face value. I question, question, question. But I'm also urging people to just ask themselves, do we, do you, did we get it right here um, as as a human culture, and how much better could we be doing than we are right now? And what steps are we willing to take individually to move that culture in that direction? And I feel like the conversation mm -hmm. with Allison today discusses discusses con like concepts and possibilities and options to move in that direction. And to me, there is no greater effort on earth. It's not so much over who's right between this ideology or that ideology. It's what could we be doing that is collectively moving humanity into a better place, a more equitable place, a more loving, compassionate, forgiving place. And I feel like what you've discussed today should be food, <laughs> food for thought, food for thought only. Um, <laughs> But but I really am urging people to have ears to hear of what's said here instead of going right for the instinctive, um, like reflexive urge to just find one thing that you could disagree with and then dismiss everything else. Yeah, thank you for all of that. I wish, you know, that's what I want to say to people when I'm talking about this. Like, I'm not your enemy. I'm not trying to make you feel stupid or inferior for not being interested in immortality. Like, you don't owe it to anybody to, like, want the same things that that person wants. And um, I, yeah, like, this is coming from a place of love. I am so inspired by just the contemplation of immortality and how it's opened me up spiritually to greater peace, greater a greater sense of sovereignty and autonomy. Um, you know, it's brought fasting into my life, which has made me feel very connected to God and also to my inner authority, which is just necessary to a good life. And it just makes me love life more and more to realize that I can live more and more. And um, 
it's totally okay if someone else doesn't want that. And I, I mean, the people who would reflexively argue against what's being said here probably didn't listen this far to hear me say this, but like, I love you. And I all I want is to just inspire you to consider a potential that maybe you haven't considered yet. That's all. Bingo. Amen to that. Because it's like, if we're going to if large swaths of humans are going to label themselves free thinkers, then to me, you just described it right there. It, mm. It's not, it's, it's the opposite of the hated term sheep where you, uh-huh. you, you can hear people talking. You could hear them saying things that perhaps you've never heard seriously said before and still just say, Hmm, I've read their stuff in the past, or I've listened to this. And, and I know that they take, they they put time and energy into what they talk about and i'm going to i'm going to ponder this a lot more and there's really no value in straight up dismissal of almost anything we can learn from anything so i on that note we got to wrap up so i just want to say thank you because um you've been on back to back podcasts here because um postwoke is in a is in a odd uh schedule right now but this is this is a direction, I don't mean immortality in particular, although I'm sure I will come back to this topic and along with you, but this this type of conversation invigorates me and I think it's needed that as we, we, we should be talking about um, more and more of the of the unspoken red pills that are out there and I think this is as big as it gets. So Allison, um, let me, hold on bestie um <laughs> yeah are we gonna explain what that is i think i'm just gonna put a link called bestie in the show notes and if you're okay if, anybody that's curious it'll take about 30 <laughs> seconds of their life to have a chuckle that's that's so we're not going to over explain it there will be a link in the show notes ca- all caps bestie and it's up to you if you want to click on it there will also be a link to your jesus the immortalist article your music uh, a month ago we spoke about the release of ugly your amazing oh, yeah. second album oh, oh, everything everything to do with allison um, not everything, but a lot of things. <laughs> a, a lot of things to do with Allison will be um, will be available in links in the show notes. But as we wrap up, I just want to say thank you and say, do you in a in a short couple of seconds here? What it, what would you? Do, what's the uh, the wrap up? The take home message you want for people on this episode? Ah, uh, I would love to invite people. In fact, I am inviting people to. Reconsider the conversation about immortality, not as being motivated by a fear of dying, but motivated by a love of living. Amen. I'll be back with some closing thoughts after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here. I trust you're enjoying this episode, but I wanted to take a quick break to request that you seriously consider becoming a paid subscriber to Post Woke because Post Woke is more than this podcast, which is a weekly podcast with crucial, important conversations with crucial and important guests. Post Woke is also a Substack on which I post on a daily basis. I'm talking about written posts. And I, first and foremost, I am a writer. I have 12 books out and I have been writing for many decades. And so you are getting quality content at least once a day 
all for $5 a month. And no matter what you decide, you can become a free subscriber if you choose. I ask you to please share the link and spread the word. And while you're at it, check the show notes for information on how to order the post-woke t-shirt. It is a completely cool kick-ass shirt and you could show the world what your favorite podcast and Substack is. So I thank you in advance for your support. Again, I urge you to spread the word and let's get back to the show. I'd like to thank Allison, of course, for being here yet again to, uh, as I said, kick off season three of Post Woke. And I do want to ask all of you guys listening, um, if you're on Substack, there is a comment thread underneath this podcast. If you're not on Substack, you can go over to my Substack and um, leave comments there. But I'm curious to know what types of topics you would like me to discuss and find people to interview about in the year 2024. But keep in mind, I am not looking to preach to the converted nor rehash over and over and over the same stories and theories that it seems everyone else is doing. So um, if you have something that you think might be worth looking into, I am wide open to listening. Um, In the meantime, I wish everyone a Merry late December, depending on what you celebrate. But if you do celebrate Christmas, I, of course, wish you a very, very Merry Christmas and an enlightening, abundant, blessed 2024, a year in which I implore you yet again to keep your guard up. <laughs>